Matthew chapter 18, starting with uh, 21. There's this idea out there among, among macho guys in particular that forgiveness is weakness. Forgiveness is a form of weakness because it's, I don't know, it's the opposite of fighting, I guess, and anything that's the opposite of combat is weakness, I guess. Um, that's a, the term these days is toxic masculinity. I don't like that term, but um, it's stuff we don't believe in, right? Um, forgiveness isn't weakness. It's actually, it's a gift that you give yourself. It's not weakness because it's not about the other person. You're not trying to prolong combat with the other person. Um, you're forgiving them. Uh, forgiveness is radioactive. And I don't mean that in the sense of a New Zealand rock song. I mean it in the sense of actually radioactive. You know what radioactive material does? Anybody know? So, Andrew, do you want to explain it? Real loud. That's right. It emits energy, high energy photons, that shoot out from it like molecular bullets. And they're so strong they rip apart DNA itself. If it go, and they go right through everything, most things, including your body. And so radioactive material shoots these things out and they go right through your body and they'll rip apart your DNA. <laughs> Pulverizing. And so if you're around too much radioactivity, you have all this broken up DNA in your body, which tends to reorganize itself back in the form of cancer. And forgiveness is radioactive. It's radioactive material. And it will never stop hurting you until you get rid of it. You don't want to hang on to this stuff. This is bad. Sorry, sorry. Forgiveness. No, no. Unforgiveness. I was tracking you until you said that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lack of forgiveness. Maybe it's like bullets that it's supposed to like. No, I meant in the sense of I meant in the sense of withholding forgiveness is what I should have said. So withholding forgiveness, hanging on to, thank you, unforgiveness, this is why you bring your spouse, <laughs> keep you out of accidental heresy. Um, if you hang on to that unforgiveness, that unforgiveness, if you refuse to give it, it, it just poisons you, and it continues to do it. It doesn't stop. That whole time heals all wound things, it's a bunch of garbage. That was probably coined by someone who was really unforgiving and just wanted to hang on to it as long as possible, thinking, oh, I'll just hang on to it, and it'll be fine. But it doesn't. Radioactive material takes like thousands of years to be not radioactive anymore. Thousands and thousands of years. Much longer than you're alive. Okay? If you hang on to unforgiveness, it will keep hurting you. But what people tend to do is to hang on to it and stick it right in their heart and then just go around their daily life. And in the meantime, they're being ripped apart. And that's part of what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 18. So we know the story. Peter says, how often should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? As many as seven times. Peter thinks he's being super generous, by the way, by saying, I'll forgive my brother. His brother's standing right there, too. So I got to wonder, what's Ann? <laughs> hey, man, Pete. Now I have to forgive you for ratting me out to Jesus. Um, and as many as seven times, Jesus says, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven. Either way, the number Jesus says is meant to be infinite, like never stop forgiving, in other words. Peter, I don't think, likes the answer. I don't think any of them do, because that seems a little egregious. Eventually, I should be able to stop forgiving if they're continually mean or a jerk or horrible. Like, how about the Romans? They're killing us. 
they steal all our money. They're bad. They force us. Roman soldier could force you to walk a whole mile carrying all his stuff, and you had to do it. That's the walk a mile in his shoes. That's where that comes from. So Jesus then tells this parable that we've read about a guy who owes a ton of money, and the master or the king says, give me all the money you owe me. The guy says, I can't possibly do it, and he asks for mercy, and the king, who's the fa God's father in this story, right, he gives it. He gives mercy, incredible mercy, ridiculous forgiveness. He forgives the man's debt. And the word forgive, by the way, is actually a financial word. It means to forgive debt, monetary debt. That's what the word forgive means. And although when we talk about the word forgiveness, we're not always meaning money, but that's what it meant in this context, and that's what the actual word means. And the way we use it, it just means to forgive a different kind of debt. Because when someone wrongs you, you've got an IOU in their name, right? They owe me a confession. They owe me repentance. They owe me an apology. They owe me money. They owe me pain. They owe me some sort of revenge. Whatever it is you think they owe you, you've got this list of stuff, right? This IOU. And forgiveness means you tear up that IOU. And that's what they literally did back in the day. You had a slip of paper that represented all the money that was old. And when it was forgiven, they would tear up that thing and they would toss it and say, this is forgiven. This debt is gone now. It's forgiven. And that is what Jesus is talking about here. What he wants us to do with everyone who owes us something, something emotional. And when we hang on to that unforgiveness, that's radioactivity is that little IOU that will keep it in our pocket, keep it in the back of our mind, that this person still owes me something. And I would like to get that from them somehow. Creates a major problem when the person's already dead, seems ridiculous. Because how could they possibly pay back? And so the servant then who's forgiven, he's happy, he's ecstatic, he goes out and he finds another servant who owes him like 50 bucks, right? And he said, hey, you owe me 50 bucks. I'm broke. Pay me money. I got to go celebrate the fact that I just got off, right? And yeah, the guy says, I'm, oh, I, I just don't have it right now. I'm too short. I will pay you back, though. I promise. He says, no, pay me back. And he said, I, I, I will. I promise I'll pay you back. And he starts choking the guy and calls the cops to come arrest him, which they could do back then, throw him in debtor's prison, which is where he was going to go. And this is like 50 bucks. This is nothing, okay? The other guy owed like a lifetime's worth of money, okay? Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars he never could repay. Um, now, interestingly, the other people, the other servants saw this and immediately recognized that this was not right. So the other servants told the master, and the master was fine with it, okay? No, he was very much not fine with it. These are some of the harshest words in Scripture. They really are. Uh, let's start with verse 32. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. And the word wicked there means like depraved, horrible, like mutatedly horrible. You wicked, disgusting servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
That is what the master expected, and he didn't get it. That's what God expects of us. We would have mercy on others, just like he had mercy on us. That we would rip up that IOU, just like he did for us. And in anger, not a good word, but it's God towards us, right? <laughs> we, we don't want the word anger. Um, in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, or the, the actual word there is torturers. Some translations have that. Delivered him to the torturers. That's what jailers were back then, by the way. Like when Peter and Paul got thrown in jail and were shackled to the jailer. Like, he's not just a guard. He, he's there to make their life horrible, miserable. A lot of people died in prison just from being beaten and not fed. Not to mention the rats and the dysentery. So jailers were torturers. He handed him over to the torturers until he should pay all his debt. And when's that going to happen? Never. And then Jesus says the scariest verse in the Bible. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I've got to think Peter soiled his tunic <laughs> at that point. I mean, dude, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, not say the words, I forgive you, right? Not pray a prayer, God, I forgive this person. But actually, really forgive them from your heart. Take out all that radioactive, toxic stuff and give it to the Lord. If you don't do that, your heavenly Father will do this to you. Hand you over to the torturers. That seems kind of extreme. Right? But Jesus said this many times in Scripture. Last time we read Matthew 6, where Jesus just flat out says, if you forgive others when they wrong you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others when they wrong you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So, all the forgiveness we could ever need was paid for on the cross. Amen? And so that forgiveness has been portioned out to us. But we don't have access to that forgiveness if we don't forgive others. In order to have access to that forgiveness, we need to repent. That's what the Bible says. Repent, right? Everyone who confesses their sin, God will be faithful and just to forgive your sins. The forgiveness itself already happened. This is a time travel thing, okay? It can be hard to follow. But in a timey-wimey way, 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid for your sin now and tomorrow and next Thursday, right? So that's already been done. But you don't get it. I gave the analogy last time of like a bank account. It's in a bank account, but you don't have access to it if you can't get to the bank or if you refuse to fill out a slip, right? Your money's there, but you can't get it. That's just a metaphor. That's not actually what's happening. Um, so the forgiveness is there, but we need to repent, right? And we need to forgive others. If we don't repent or we don't forgive others, that forgiveness doesn't actualize in our life. We're not walking in the forgiveness of God. We're walking in an unforgiven state. And an unforgiven state looks like this, tortured. An unforgiven state is you have the unforgiveness in your heart and it is poisoning you and it is giving you cancer. And by the way, researchers have showed that unforgiveness literally gives you physical cancer. Stress and all that kind of stuff, we talk about how that was the number one, one of the number one causes, one or two, depending on which study you read, of cancer. But within that, they looked at specific things, and unforgiveness slash bitterness against other people was one of the leading causes of why people develop actual cancer. So this is like real life stuff, okay? Um, Jesus is serious about this because it's serious. 
Not only will this kill us, literally, physically, but who wants to live a tortured life? Who wants to live a sick life, a cancerous life? Nobody wants that. But the problem is we don't want to forgive either. We have to. We have to forgive. And forgiveness doesn't mean we say what happened was okay. What happened was still wrong. We're just letting go of the debt. We're letting go of that IOU, okay? Um, it doesn't mean that you should let it keep happening to you. If it's a recurring thing, you have to put a stop to that, okay? You don't forgive and let it happen again, and forgive and let it happen again, and forgive and let it happen again. Jesus said if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn your other cheek, okay? So that's kind of my rule, twice. Okay? Twice is coincidence, three times is a pattern. Have you heard that? Okay? If somebody does something to you, you forgive it. If they do it again at some point in the future, I would forgive it again. But if they did it a third time, I would forgive it, but after the forgiveness, I would talk to them. You have to talk to them and confront them to let them know. They may not know they're hurting you. They may know and not care that they're hurting you. They may just be a bully. Who knows what the situation is? But if it, you don't have to be a doormat. That is not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness isn't about letting someone habitually hurt you. Okay? That is not, that's not what it's about. You do still need to forgive, for sure. Otherwise, your life is tortured. And we don't want that no matter what. Cancer while being beaten up is worse than just being beaten up. So, so you don't want the unforgiveness in your life no matter what. It's toxic. You've got to get rid of it as fully and completely and quickly as you can. Uh, but don't let people keep doing it. You have to confront them. And we're going to talk, um, I'm going to do a sermon, maybe two sermons in the near future about um, confrontation and dealing with conflict and a healthy way to deal with conflicts in your interpersonal relationships. Friends, coworkers, work situations, spouse, whatever it is. Because there's really healthy ways and there's things that we can learn to be able to do that well as opposed to the way we normally do it, which is in anger and therefore terribly. Right? And so it leads to the dark side. It's not, not untrue. Not untrue. And so we do need to confront them. Yeah. Great. Ooh, great. Uh, no, no, no. Let's, this, this is for you guys and what you need. So, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, for me, some of the signs that I haven't forgiven yet would be if you think about the person or the event and you still have that little uh, in your heart. Some people feel it in their heart. Some people feel it in their stomach. But it's like a, often a physical thing. You feel about that, and you mm, what it is is it's your parasympathetic nervous system emotionally responding through chemicals and neurosignals to the trauma that happened in your brain, in your memory. And when you trigger that part of your brain, it tells you tighten up, get upset. Maybe the hairs come on the back of your neck. If you sweat, maybe you get sweaty palms. Or so, so there are physical reactions, oftentimes. And sometimes it's just you feel a little emotional reaction towards that person. Maybe that reaction is hurt. I have a little hurt still about that. I have a little anger still about that. It's a little tender. Ooh, don't touch on that subject. That's, that's a sore subject. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. So if you talk to somebody else about it, and at the end of that conversation, 
you feel something. Or maybe later in the day, now you can't get it out of your head again. You realize you're sort of letting yourself relive it maybe a little bit or experience it, or you're just feeling some sort of negative consequence. Maybe you thought you forgave all the way, and now you're like, ooh. <sighs> like, can't quite breathe all the way. You guys know the symptoms, right, of, of, of being upset. Um, if that happens, then you haven't quite forgiven all the way, or you haven't quite been healed all the way from that, but those two things are together. You are healed in conjunction with as much as you forgive. You will be healed for any trauma in your life only 80% if you only forgive 80%. And I can prove that, but I don't have time from Scripture. Okay? So if you want healing, you have to forgive. Some people will say, yeah, I've forgiven. I'm just not quite healed from it yet. Mm, maybe. Maybe if you just finished forgiving, like very recently, then it's possible that you haven't quite fully received the healing yet or just walked through it because it just takes time. It's not an instantaneous healing, right? Um, getting heart surgery is very, very painful. And it takes a while to recover. You're better. <laughs> you were fixed. You were healed, right? So that's, <coughs> excuse me, that's sort of like what I think about this sort of thing. Like you've done the forgiveness. The forgiveness is like the surgery part. And you got rid of it. But after you're done, there is still a bit of recovery time and a little bit of healing time. Those of you who experienced it, do you, do you agree with that? Okay. So just because you have a little pain doesn't mean you haven't forgiven all the way. But I would say, Always keep making sure you are. Because here's the thing about forgiveness. I, I heard in a sermon growing up, forgive and forget. We're supposed to forgive and forget. Nobody can do that. It's not possible. And it's not biblical. God forgives and forgets. That is a godly attribute. It says he literally, when he forgives us, he separates our sin from us. As far as the east is from the west, living uh, in a very large universe, that's a super big distance. Okay. God has this weird, godly, awesome ability to actually take it out of his brain and chuck it away. Only God can do that. We can't actually forget. Some studies will say men are better at forgiving and forgetting than women are, but I, I, I don't think men are that good at it either, honestly. I, I don't know. But the point isn't to forgive and forget. It's to forgive and let go and leave it there. But sometimes we remember, or it comes back a little bit later, or... Because of the way our heart is today, we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, but because of the way our heart is today, the situation of our life, we maybe are only able to forgive 50%, and that is 100% relative to today. Does that make any sense? So I am, my, if your gas tank is half full and you use all your gas, that's not as much as if your tank was full and you used all your gas, right? So today I use every, I forgive everything I can. But that might not be everything. And so then in a couple weeks, and, and that is, um, that's like triage. That's like Jesus helping us through something that's maybe too big or too difficult for us. Or maybe we just have other stuff going on. But if, it's, if we're talking about a big thing, a real traumatic thing, a real difficult thing, or a real long-term thing, it takes time. And so it's a process. It's not, I forgive. I mean, if it's little, if somebody cuts you off on the freeway, you can hopefully forgive fairly quickly and let it go, right? But if they cut you off and almost killed you and you got your kids in the van and, and your heart is racing now for two hours or actually hit you, which has happened to me too, like that takes a little bit more. Sarah. Right. Yes, absolutely. No, absolutely. 
he's always going to mourn his brother. He's always going to miss his brother. So that's that's what, not what I'm saying. But That'll probably come That'll up multiple back. times in his life, yeah. but and then he'll have to deal with that though, I, because that's wanna, that's that's it. like your mind or the devil tossing more radioactivity at you, and so you do need to keep getting rid of it. And when it's something like this, it's a process, and it keeps happening. And it, you remember it, and it comes back. Either whether you just hadn't had access to 100% of it to give away, or it just comes back. You get reminded, and that happens sometimes. You get reminded, um, but usually you react to it, right? Um, you get reminded, and then you're like. Ugh. I guess I have to deal with this again. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wanted to add <coughs> this too because earlier in this, mm -hmm. where the Lord's Prayer comes, instructs us how to pray. Where it says, For if you forgive not your Absolutely. This is an absolutely basic, and it's a requirement for living life together as the church. And it's something we have to get good at. Yeah, absolutely. We have to get good at it um, to the point where we're able to do it a little faster, a little better, you know, in the future. And you're right. If, if we have given up, another one of those signs is we don't wake up in, in the middle of the night still thinking about it. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, that's not to say that it won't come up. We, we've talked about this before, but we are leaky. Human beings are leaky. So we might be filled with forgiveness 100%, but we leak. We leak throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the month. Exactly right. And the more we stay filled with the Spirit, the easier it is to maintain forgiveness. But forgiveness in something really tough is something that needs to be maintained. I don't personally believe that forgiveness is ever something that is completed and then you never have to deal with it again. Not for big stuff. For and big stuff, it has to be maintained. And the Bible says the peace of Christ will guard your heart and your mind. So you stay in that peace, you stay in that forgiveness, but things come up. You are reminded, you see a picture, whatever, it comes back, and then you do have to deal with it again. See, what happened to me when I was younger is something would come back 
And I'd be like, oh, I guess I haven't forgiven. I'm such a terrible Christian. You're supposed to forgive and forget. I suck. What is my problem? But it's like, no, I was being hard on myself for no reason at all. Like, that's normal. It comes back, you just give it away again. But don't take it. <laughs> don't take it and shove it back in and be like, that's right, I was hurt. I was hurt. Everyone owes me something. I'm such a victim. You pet that little thing. That's not... Right. Well, and that's the other thing. When you feel unforgiven, you are more likely not to forgive other people. And so this, and we're not going here really today, but I think the guy who was forgiven so much by the master, he was forgiven in reality, but in his mind, he didn't live forgiven. Does that make sense? When the Israelites were brought out of Egypt and slavery in the most miraculous, amazing way in the history of the world, they were now free, but they still thought of themselves as slaves. They lived as slaves. And if you watch what they said and what they did, they acted like they were still slaves and not free. They weren't grateful. Right. They weren't grateful. They just worried. They didn't trust. And they acted like in their minds they were still slaves. And this guy is acting in his mind like he's still unforgiven. And he needs something else, and he's going to make somebody pay for it. That's how unforgiven people act. And it's sad. And that's what we need to make sure we are not. And remember, this is a servant. So this guy's a Christian, I think in this passage. He is a servant of the master. So this is a Christian who is forgiven, but isn't acting forgiven, isn't living forgiven. And this is why Jesus so many times in the Bible says you need to be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. Stop thinking like a slave. Stop thinking like someone who isn't forgiven. Think like someone who is forgiven. And that takes the Holy Spirit. To be renewed takes the Holy Spirit. Chris. And that's, that's, again, talking about sort of like two separate things. The forgiveness I'm talking about is personal. You let them off the hook for you in your own heart. You give them to God. But if they're doing stuff in the church, which is the context there, let's say it's a guy who comes to church and all he does is hit on girls. And it's distracting to the point of being possibly inappropriate. And you tell the guy, stop doing this. This isn't, this isn't right. That's not why we're here. That's not why we gather you can still forgive him. The female can forgive him. But if he keeps doing it, you have to deal with it. And especially in a leadership capacity, things have to be dealt with. They have to be done. Eventually, you bring it before the whole church and say, look, this is the deal. I think we need to do something. That doesn't mean unforgiveness. Forgiveness is personal one-on-one. -on -one. And, and forgiveness doesn't mean they automatically get trust back for free. Earning trust is a different thing than forgiveness. Now, I think we should be very gracious with trust. Jesus does say, turn the other cheek, right? But um, I think, like, you know, let's say you have a kid who keeps stealing money, like sizable amounts of money from you. 
they're your kid, you're going to forgive them, but they need to earn your trust back now. They, they, they're not on the checking account anymore. They don't get the credit card anymore. You give them a debit card with 500 bucks and that's it for the six months or whatever. Right? Like, so trust and forgiveness aren't the same thing. People do have to earn back trust. That's part of the being a doormat thing that we don't want to do. You don't just let somebody keep running on you. With a kid, I do think there is more grace. That's a whole other speech. Um, other questions? Yeah, Jeff. So you're you're good either. You could have stopped that don't communicate very well, but. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree, and I think that's a great point. I think judgment is a lack of forgiveness, just sort of in a slightly different way. It's like forgiveness for personal things is easy to see. Judgment might be forgiveness for kind of an impersonal thing, more of a societal thing. But if you're judging them, it means you're not letting it go. It means you're not giving them mercy. You're not giving them grace. Um, so I think judgment. Absolutely. I think, I mean. This could, this could be construed as that. I think exactly. judgment is unforgiveness. And I think if we think about that, that's like, whoa. Well, if if judgment is unforgiveness, I mean, it doesn't seem like unforgiveness because it doesn't seem as personal. But you see somebody, you see how they treat their kids in the store, and you judge them for that, right? But then it's like, wait a minute. I don't know their situation. I don't know what's going on. I don't know... You know, that might be the most loving way they can act right now. God bless them. Instead of me judging them, how about I let it go and don't let it bother me and instead bless them and pray for that poor mom with those three monsters. And then maybe don't say monsters because maybe that's judging the kids. Um, <laughs> but, but so I do think judgment is a different kind of unforgiveness. And, you know, that's a little bit of a startling thought too for us. It should be sobering because how often do we judge? Probably every day. Right? And that's been something I've been struggling with for years that I've really been trying to overcome and asking the Holy Spirit, can you show me every time I'm doing that so that I'm aware of it and so that I try to change? And the problem is he answered that prayer. And so now every time I judge, he makes me aware of it. And it happens so much. It's pathetic. Okay? And it's really annoying to me. I'm sort of like, okay, maybe answer it half the time. Like, just tell me half the time. Let me work my way up, right? Um, but it's tough. It's tough, but it is something I'm working on. And I do think it's, it's related to unforgiveness. It's a little different. When, when someone does something really wrong to you personally, it creates a different, it creates a wound, right? And that's when it's harder to let go.
Nothing wrong with thinking your church is great. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But now, if I can't accept feels exactly the same way. It can. And And that would be the kind of judgment I think would be bad. The, the difficulty is a lot of things get translated into the word judgment. There's like seven different things. And so we have to be careful. Judging that someone was out when they slid into a base isn't bad. That's not a bad kind of judgment. That right. is simply making an accurate call. Judging that I believe my theology is correct and I disagree with theirs, that's not bad either. That's making a judgment. It's making a decision saying this is right and that's not right. If I then go to the next level and say, because they do something wrong, they're bad people and I don't like them and I don't want to hang out with them and blah, blah, you know, that is bad. That's the bad kind of judgment. So judgment is when we put guilt, we put debt on somebody else, if you want to think about that. You owe God something or you owe me something, or you owe society something because of what you did. And that's the kind of judgment that I think is bad. The kind of judgment that just says, Getting paid 100 bucks is better than getting paid 12 bucks. That's just logic, right? That, and there's nothing wrong with that kind of judgment. But that's, that's, that's another and bigger topic. Yep, Steve, you want to come up here for a second? Um, so, Steve, we talked about forgiveness last year, a year and a half ago. Um, and I recall you were like, I don't know. There's this guy I don't know that I have to forgive. Do you, you want to say anything about that? Yeah, here, here's, um, can I make this real quick, this comment? Absolutely. Okay, you all know, probably everyone's heard this saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison. And you know, that, that helps me think about that. Um, and then when I was, I'm not easily offended. I almost can't be offended. And, and, it, and it came, um, so, so when I had this unforgiveness, it Sadly, con- contemplated his murder, and uh, I actually had a plan out. And the Lord stopped me, and then um, He gave me a picture, and it was the most clear vision I ever had had in my life. And it, it was uh, a huge panoramic view, like a movie. And there was a sailboat, a big, huge, beautiful sailboat on a calm sea, fluffy clouds. It was a beautiful environment. I'm looking down and all my friends and family are on there having so much fun. And I said, Lord, I get it. This is my life. Where am I in this thing? He goes, look in the back. I was at the back looking over the side, miserable. And I go, why why am I not having any fun? He goes, look down in there. Look what you're looking at. And I look down and there's this dinghy, you know, a little boat being dragged along by rope. And in it was the rotting He said, "You're letting this rotting death corpse stay in your life." And I go, "Okay, well, what do I do?" He goes, "You got to forgive him." I go, "How do I do this?" Untie that. Untie.
untie that rope and let it go. And now this is this is what I wanted to bring up because something that you said made so much sense. You, I did that, and I did that forgiveness. And you know, if you ever had, if you're ever in a boat and let something go, it doesn't just disappear. It the boat goes away to kind of. And so it took a while. It got smaller and got away and got away until it was gone. And then I was back in in my life. So I got that freedom and and then. Later on, this um, a guy that I trusted to the point I let him be a partner in a business. He was a, a confessing Christian. Any anyway, he he embezzled uh, a, a ton of money from our company, and and it, it really hurt me because it took money. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to let's take a one more minute here, but I had this theory in my mind about the blue suede shoes. Anyone old enough to remember Elvis Presley punk? You know, you can slander my name all over the face, all over the place, slap my face, but you can do anything <coughs> you want to me, but don't mess with my blue suede shoes. And that was my philosophy in my life was, you can do anything to me. You, I mean, you would, you almost couldn't get me to, I hate you, but if you mess with my family, it's a line that you, you can't cross. And when he embezzled all that money, it took money from my family, and that's where I was so offended. So, but here's what made the difference. The day that you said something in that thing got right into my heart, and I'll, and this is where I think that uh, I, I was uh, a Marine uh, over 45 years ago. It wasn't, uh, hey, come on and join, we'll have some fun. It was not that attitude. It, they could literally beat you and uh, throw you in jail and fine you if you. And when you said something, Nate, you said, you know, when God says to forgive, and it's not a suggestion and it's not a request, it's a command. And in the Marines, they don't give you, they don't suggest or maybe <laughs> request things. If they give an order, it's a different deal. You don't disobey it. And if, if it comes from the commandant of the Marine Corps, the top, if it comes from the top, you wouldn't dare disobey it. I mean, you don't even think about disobeying. So that helped me so much when you said, not a suggestion or a request. It is a command, <coughs> an order. And wow, that got right into my heart. So I said, okay, I got to do it. And after that, I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, I, I got to do it, Father. There's, no, there's a whole lot of understanding. I got to do it, but there's no want to do it. You got, you're going to have to help me. And then he poured this love in me and just changed my heart. And he just, I was able to forgive the guy. And just, he drives a band that's got a wrap of the business on it. And the way I know it's, this is a year later now, right? Um, that van went by early in the morning by my house. And I didn't have time to think about a response. He waved. Now, I didn't see his face, so it might have been someone else from the company. But I doubt it. I was driving my street rod, and he's probably the only one that would recognize him. And I immediately waved without a hesitation. So I know that the forgiveness is real. Mm. But um, I don't know that that idea that, and then, now this one, I think you may take issue with, but this helped me. This, because I know, Nate knows so much more than me, and he brings a lot of perspective to me. But this one helped me a lot. I had this picture in my mind. Oh, 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 here's to get to the best part of the testimony. After I forgave him, my, I had a, accrued a debt, a large amount of money. And it, it played on my mind all the time, and I was, it was 
It's going to take me forever to pay off. And then Laura and I would be reluctant to buy anything nice or go anywhere or do anything nice because I didn't. I, I should, if I have extra money, I should give it to. Pay. Anyway, right after we, I forgave this guy. We get a phone call. Hey, um, we've been praying about this, and we've decided just to forget it. We want to forgive that debt to you. We don't want you to ever wow. bring it up or ever think about it again. Wow. And I mean, I was like broken. Yeah. Oh, I was, couldn't believe it. I said, are you serious? Said, yeah, we love you guys. We just want, we think that's probably too much for you to care. Forget about it. And I mean, if, if it ever comes to the point where I can pay it back later, I won't. But I was just forgiven. And then a few days after that, my van, my old van, leaked on this lady's driveway. This lady is a millionaire who thinks she's a billionaire and that no one should <laughs> ever do anything. I mean, she was the most difficult woman. No one ever wanted to deliver into her house. And when I pulled away, I saw these spots. I went back. Uh, I went to her house. I said, knocked on the door. I said, I got I'm expecting her to shoot me. I mean, I said, I got a couple drops of transmission fluid on your driveway and I'll clean it up for you. Oh, where? I go on the driveway. Oh, I don't care. That's his deal. He does the outside, I do the inside. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was just so forgiven. But the last thought was, I kind of had this feeling like, did you anyone ever see like a uh, an old western or something? <laughs> Guys are fighting, and one of them yells, "Get away! Get away!" Get away. So he pushes away, so he can shoot the other guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he doesn't shoot you accidentally. And not that God would kill anybody, but it was like. I am not going to bring anything on that dude until you let him go. He's getting scot-free as long as you want to hold that unforgiveness. And so if you let him go, then I'll deal with him. If you think you're going to deal with him, go ahead. Well, I can do it a lot better than you, and vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. So he says that vengeance. And then I know that was kind of maybe wrong to think, but then I thought of that proverb that says, if you return kindness to somebody, it's like heaping coals of Hot coals on their head. I never understood that whole thing either. But I did understand that if I would let him go, uh, it brought so much peace. I just let it go. And then I started thinking how stupid I was. Why was I holding on to it anyway? What did I get out of it? Right. Nothing. Right. Not one good thing. Nothing. And so it's been easier. Thank you for that because after that it's been easier just to, I haven't really had anything else to that was great thank you so much Steve for that testimony and thank you for being so vulnerable yes. and just open with us your brothers and sisters we really appreciate that well, I'm sorry, but I, I know I know and you are there is no forgiveness necessary you, <laughs> you, you, may, you may leave and take off so wow those are some good testimonies huh so, and I, and I want to key on what, what he said at the end there. Like, what do we get out of hanging on to that? Nothing. Forgiveness only hurts us. It doesn't hurt the other person. And believing that if we hang on to it, that somehow is going to help us or hurt them is just a lie from the enemy. You know, the devil, if the devil can get you to not forgive, he's basically neutralized you. He's neutralized any spiritual effectiveness you're going to want to do. And he's probably neutralized the blessings that God wants to give you. Because if we don't forgive, we're not forgiven. We're not walking in the blessings of God. And the devil doesn't need to make situations 
in which you won't forgive, because that's just life, right? Stuff is going to happen, and stuff will happen today, and plenty will happen tomorrow, so much so they don't even think about tomorrow, because tomorrow's got plenty of trouble of its own, Jesus says, okay? This life is full of things that we would rather it not experience. But if we hang on to that unforgiveness, that's when the devil wins. He doesn't have to or or orchestrate the situation. He just has to get us to hang on to it. And we, we get to learn how to do that. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's really, really tough. And it's something that we've carried for years. And maybe we've gotten so used to the pain that we sort of lock it off. I mean, I've talked to people so many times who are like, I think I'm holding on to something from when I was a kid. And, and like the Holy Spirit just brought it up and I didn't even notice it. But now that I think about it, like that has weighed me down this whole time. If you're wearing like, if you're swimming while wearing a vest that weighs like 50 pounds, it's a lot harder to swim. But if, if that has happened for so long that you don't even notice, that's just, that's how life is. You're used to it. And we are very good at self-denial and self-deception, right? And so that thing might be weighing us down, making us sick. We don't even notice it. We just think that's life. Life is sad. That's why I'm sad all the time. I just have depression. I'm genetically predisposed to be depressed. I'm not saying that's not a real thing, okay? I think that is a real thing. But I think that gets misdiagnosed sometimes because of other issues and other things that need to be healed spiritually. And the spiritual can manifest itself emotionally and physically. Okay? And so um, we want to let things go. And as we do, like Steve was saying, we get better at this, and pretty soon we don't even let things in in the first place. Like we were talking about with peace. Just don't say no to the stress before you even let it in. And you don't have to worry about giving it up to the Lord. And if we can start letting things go before they even get in, then the unforgiveness part doesn't take hold and learning how to be not offended, like Steve was saying, is part of this as well. If we can learn how to not let little things offend us. But the other day, somebody, um, somebody said something to me in a conversation that would be objectively considered very offensive, personally, to me, right? And so much so that I was like, whoa, okay. I was not expecting that from this person. Um, and I didn't say anything, and um, I, I let it go. Whatever, maybe they're having a bad day. <laughs> and I just, I didn't let it in, I let it go. And interestingly, after I forgave that, I did have to think about it later that night. And be like, okay, was there a reason they said that, blah, blah, blah. I kind of processed it, and then I prayed and let it go the rest of the night, right? And then I didn't think about it after that. And then about maybe two weeks later, they came back to me. This is not a non-Christian. They came back to me, and they're like, you know, the other day when I was talking, I said this thing. And I thought about it later, and that was really stupid. And you were probably super mad about that. Sorry. And then they kind of walked it back a little bit by saying, but I was this and I was that, and that's why I did that. You know how people do, right? They try to save things or whatever. But still, I, 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 didn't, I didn't count the walk back into it. I was just like, hey, that was a really great apology for a non-Christian in particular. And so eventually I, I, I stopped them, and I'm just like, hey, I forgave you the moment after you said it. And they just gave me this look, like, like it was, that was a foreign concept to them. You know, they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, I forgave you right away. We're good. They were like, okay. 
Like, they expected a fight. They expected a severing of relationship. They expected fallout. Because that, I think, was probably their experience in life, was that forgiveness wasn't very common. Um, but I could tell they were summoning everything they had to bring that apology, and I wanted to honor that. And later on, I, I kind of didn't think about it after that, but that night, or maybe the next night, I was thinking about it, and I was like, wow, I hope that was a good witness to them, you know, of Jesus Christ, to tell them they were forgiven right away. And, and then I prayed, Lord, let that be a good witness to them. Remind them of this. Send other people into their life. And that's, I think, the final knowledge, the final no way you know that you've forgiven someone all the way is when you can pray blessing on them and you really mean it. Some people think they're forgiven, they've forgiven, and then they say, but now I'm going to confront the person and tell them I've forgiven them. But that's fake, because that's just a type of revenge fantasy, right? Because what they owe me is they need to at least know what they did. And so you go and say, I forgive you. Now, some psychologists will tell you to do that for closure, okay? But I disagree. I don't think that's the Christian way. Because... If you feel like you still need closure from them and they need to give you that, then you've still got the IOU. Yeah. What do they owe me? They still owe me closure. Well, then you haven't let that go. That's the IOU. You need to get rid of that. Okay? So there, there's a number of things about psychology I disagree with, but that's certainly one. Um, <laughs> that, like, we're, closure is something you get from Jesus. Right? And again, I'm not saying now go invite that person to your party or whatever, because trust and forgiveness are different issues. But if you can pray for a person, pray blessing on them and really mean it, that's a test. That's a test I use for myself, you know? And there have been times where I've prayed for someone and I was like, hmm, I don't know if I fully meant that. Okay, maybe that's one of these process things. Maybe I leaked a little bit. Maybe I need to forgive a little bit more. And when that happens, I usually make sure to pray for that person like double. <laughs> Double hard, double long, whatever, um, to make sure. And by the way, that is, that is something that God loves. When you can pray blessing on an enemy, okay, someone whom others would say was your enemy or that you had you know, animosity with, that is something that God the Father loves. He loves that. When you show mercy and grace to someone who does not deserve it, he loves that just as much as he hates when you don't do it. So, like, we are commanded to do it, but we get a huge blessing where we do it. And it's pretty awesome. I don't want to keep us too long because we have some food to eat. Um, so let's, let's, let's pray. And then if anybody has any other questions, we can maybe talk about it during lunch. Father God, we thank you so much that you forgive us. Jesus, we do not take for granted what you had to endure in order to forgive us. Help us to keep that in mind. This is one of the reasons I love communion. Help us keep in mind what you gave up for us and what you had to endure in order for us to receive forgiveness. Help us to be and understand that forgiveness in our minds. We don't want to be like this servant who in reality was forgiven but lived like he wasn't. Help us to be renewed in our minds through the power of your Holy Spirit understand that we are forgiven and we can live a forgiven life, a life full of grace and mercy because you gave us those things. And so since we have those things, it's easy to give those things away. We don't have to stir up mercy or stir up grace. We already have it. 
and we let go of the other stuff that's in our hands and just receive it from you. I pray that you would help us to live that way and walk that way. And if there is something that um, we still are working through or holding on to in terms of forgiveness, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will help us with that. Like Steve said in his testimony, he, he didn't even want to do it. But he said, God, I need your help because I know I have to, but I don't really want to. And boy, did God answer that prayer, right? Forgiveness, our responsibility is like the first two steps. God comes in, and he does most of the work. He gives us the grace to forgive. He gives us the desire to forgive. He gives us the ability to forgive. He brings all that. We don't have to do it in ourselves. And so if we're in a place where we are really low, and we can't imagine ourselves pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps in order to forgive. That's not what needs to happen. We just need to surrender. Just get on our knees before the Lord and say, God, I need help. I want to forgive this person. Or I want to want to, at least. Come and help me. And the Holy Spirit really will do that. And so we ask you to do that, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Or if there's things that we didn't even realize maybe were there, people we needed to forgive from school, from our childhood that we've haven't really thought about or realized, and we're carrying that weight vest around. We're carrying that bit of toxicity, that bit of radioactive material in our heart. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that you bring those things to our mind and to our attention so that we know. And if that happens, that you will help us to work through it. And you can always come to brothers and sisters here in the church. It's good to work through these things with other people. Um, you can always call me. You can always call some, somebody here. And let's bear one another's burdens.